The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome to the program. Trent and I take you until noon. Oh, five, ten minutes away from Dave Sinekin. We'll take our look at the second of our local teams. We did the Chiefs yesterday. The Packers uh, in the spotlight today as we take a look at the four NFL teams. Bears tomorrow with our buddy Jeff Hughes, maybe? That sounds like a good idea to me. And uh, your continued prediction that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback, Ted Ginn Jr., this morning on NFL Network, Good Morning Football. Uh, he said that he anticipates it'll be Trubisky that'll be the starter. I think he had this one. I think he's going to win the job, too, Trent. I mean, look, he stunk last year. Let's he be was perfectly awful. honest. I, I think it's too early to give up on him. Anyway, so we'll get to Dave Singh. But I want to start with Iowa State and uh, Steve Prohm's squad. Uh, picking up on the, at least on the surface, if Blake Hinson can get that waiver from the NCAA, and that's kind of hit or miss, as we know, uh, for immediate eligibility. He, be- he played as a freshman against Iowa State when Iowa State went to Oxford last year. Not last year, the January. What would that have been? Two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, right. He played. He played in that game. But he's six seven. He can uh, score. He averaged as a sophomore uh, in the SEC. Averaged uh, ten and five essentially. So, look at we're a couple of uh, we're about a week away from July to pick up a kid that uh, that has this much game, and it certainly looks like he does. Here's the thing that I'll go by more than. You should go by, not you, Trent. Our okay. audience, yeah. go by more than just what I'm spitting out. Is that national guys like Jeff Goodman and guys that do basketball, college basketball solely mm-hmm. for a living, um, think this is a great pickup for Steve Prohm. Cyclones returned 44% of their minutes from a year ago. Obviously, the big uh, loss is Tyrese Halliburton, but it was an uneven season at best for Halliburton this year with the injuries that he went through before ultimately shutting it down. You look at the squad, the impact is going to be about the guys coming in, you know, those freshmen. Now, if Harris is eligible also, yeah, along with right. Hinson, I, that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty good building Not block. Not bad, right? And, and there's pieces there. Remember how long we had to wait last year to get the decision on the eligibility for Bolton? Yeah. I mean, that thing just seemed to drag on <laughs> right. and on and on. I don't know how big of an impact that made because by the time they were practicing, he knew he was going to be mm-hmm. able to play. But mm-hmm. at least it was something. It's something you point to. But when you look at the incoming recruits, here people talk about Xavier Foster, right? Yeah. Xavier Foster was the guy that's been mentioned the most. And, and that makes sense because of, A, where he was ranked nationally, but also because this is a guy that a lot of people see can come in and make a big impact. But do they get anything from those other three? Dudley Blackwell. There's that's the one that I think has the most buzz, right? Right. Nationally, he's not a huge prospect. Right. He was a top one hundred and fifty type kid, but we're not talking about a McDonald's All American. But a Blackwell or Dunbar or Walker, one of those three mm-hmm. comes in right away, and wow, you really got something here. It was a diamond in the rough. It was a guy that can play and compete right away, along with the guys that are returning. I think there's a path for this team to be at least. Okay, pretty good. Right, I'm with you. Get to February and say... But they need help. They need NCAA help. They do, absolutely. Henson, Harris, they're both yeah. there. They got Coleman Lands. He will be a sit-out transfer. Doesn't look like there's any place there. But you know, the other piece of this, too, though, is the possibility where the NCAA just throws their hands up and says, you know what, for this year, because of what's happening on mm-hmm. everybody, 
gets a waiver for this one season. But they kicked that down the road until next they year, did. right? Which yeah. is too bad um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I mean, too bad for Minnesota. I know the Iowa fans are pretty happy, right? <laughs> right. not going to be playing. But, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, this 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 squad that, that Prome was going to put out on the floor, again, they need NCAA help here. It doesn't look as... I'll use the word bleak uh, because I thought it looked bleak. Condit? Uh, yeah, look, I like Condit. I think he's got to take a step forward. I think he can. Bolton needs to be mm-hmm. more efficient. Mm-hmm. Can't just be a chucker out mm-hmm. there. He has to be more efficient. Solomon Young had a nice year last Solomon year. Solomon Young did have a nice year last year and, and had his moments. Javon Jackson? Johnson. Yes. And, and then Javon Johnson, the transfer that sat out last year from Troy, there continues to be speculation here. I, I, think, I don't know anything about him. Or, yeah, I don't know much big about Big score. Okay. And that's what they need. They need some yeah. shooting from the outside, and they need that. So I think there's a path. There's a path where can they get to 8 and 10, 9 and 9 in the Middle Big 12? Middle of the pack of the Big yeah. 12? What happens with Kansas? Oklahoma State, they're bringing in Cunningham. And he's going to play. You know what? I think that this. Uh, I think the jury's still out whether they're going to be punished this year. Uh, there's going, a lot of movement to to to, yeah. uh, to take that. Um, this was to rescind too, that. Yes. Too heavy handed. Yeah, the guy's gone. It's not these kids. I mean, Underwood's I get gone. It. Yeah, it's true. He's doing a very nice job at the Big Ten. Well, maybe cheating at Illinois too. Well, you well, know what? No, no, no. That's just speculation. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. Good for good for Prom again. Cross your fingers. Hope for Harris. Hope for Henson. Get those guys. Get some eligibility. Get a break from the NCAA, and all of a sudden, this team's got certainly more hope than they did, right? Certainly more hope than when the season ended last year. It's Prom's last year. He's not going to make it after this year. Then, uh, but I, I think I, I'm encouraged. And look, this was a this. I don't have to tell anybody this. If you're a Cyclone fan, this was a bad year. Uh, at Hilton Coliseum, right? There was no Hilton magic. Took the year off. Maybe it makes an appearance. Green Bay Packers talk right now. Let's switch gears entirely. But again, cross your fingers. NCAA gets some waivers. Iowa State basketball all of a sudden uh, has a uh, has more of a chance than they certainly did. Uh, Dave Sinekin joins the programs. Uh, Theheadcheese.com is where you can read Dave during the season. Uh, he joins the program. Dave, Trent, and Ken, we're looking at our air quote four local teams where you're first up in the NFC North. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Good to talk to you, first of all. How you been? I've been good. I, hey, it makes sense to talk with the champs first. I yes, like that. absolutely. Start at the top, right? We're saving the Bears for last, uh, maybe. Uh, uh, so let's. Uh, we're as as we sit. Uh, we don't know what uh, training camp is going to look like, and let's start there, Dave, because you know you see the kids giving the players their bicycles, and that's always been a staple uh, of training camp uh, for for the Packers. We don't know what training camp is going to look like. We don't know what this what Lambeau Field is going to look like, but we assume that August is. Going going to look nothing like previous August as far as fans interaction with NFL teams. Yeah, I, I have to think Green Bay gets hit a lot harder than every other team because obviously it's a very small town that economy is run by the Green Bay Packers and if there's not a typical August training camp, that's an August where tens of thousands of people come to see the team. Remember, can't get Packer tickets very easily unless you're willing to spend a lot of money on the secondary market. So for a lot of families, and a lot of fans, their only chance to get up close to Packers is is training camp. So it's it's tough both for fans and certainly for the city, which has you know in recent years spent tens of millions of dollars to 
um, turn that Titletown district uh, adjacent to the stadium into a real destination. And it's still not quite finished, but there's so many things to do. And to lose that month of August, economically, the impact on Green Bay is is going to be huge. And obviously, if we move into the, the season, then there are Sundays where there are, if not full stadiums, limited stadiums full of fans. It's going to be a tough season for the Packers. They've got cash reserves. It's not going to devastate them, but uh, it certainly will impact, I think, Green Bay more than any other franchise. Dave, there's been a long pipeline of Iowa Hawkeye players making their way up to Green Bay recently. Bulaga, Michael Hyde, Micah Hyde, and, and quite a few others. A newcomer on the squad, Mike free Daniels. agent, Chris, uh, yeah. Christian Kirksey, coming in. Your impact that you think he's going to have, health obviously the concern there. And then Joshua Jackson, it just hasn't worked for the second round pick. Is there any hope for him going forward? Yeah, those are two guys that Green Bay would love to count on this season. I think Kirksey comes into a situation where if he can stay on the field, which has been difficult for him the last mm-hmm. two seasons, he has a tremendous opportunity to step into that Blake Martinez role. There's really very little proven behind Kirksey on the Packers' depth chart. They've got uh, a seventh-round pick from a year ago, a couple of undrafted guys. They added Gopher Kamal Martin uh, in the fifth round this year, but there's very little proven at that inside linebacker spot behind Kirksey, who was a one-time captain for the Browns and when healthy, I think, can be a, even an upgrade over Blake Martinez because he's got a little bit more speed, a little more pop. So I think Green Bay is really counting on what he might bring to the table. And as far as Josh Jackson goes, man, that's just one of those real head scratchers. Maybe it's not a great scheme fit that, that he's more of a, a zone guy. I mean, he was so highly thought of. It was looked like a steal when Green Bay got him in the second round a couple years ago. And he has just dropped further and further down the depth chart. A guy they found last year, Chandon Sullivan, has, has probably stepped into that number three role because he played so well. So this is a real prove-it year for Josh Jackson. They've got uh, a new defensive backs coach in Green Bay, Jerry Gray, longtime secondary coach in Minnesota, among other places. And he's done a great job at, at being able to sort of resurrect guys' careers. And I think the Packers are hoping Jerry Gray can get the light bulb switched on for Josh Jackson. I'm not ready to call him a bust yet. It's just his third year, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer for some guys. But, again, uh, Green Bay has used a lot of high draft capital in recent years at the cornerback position. He was a second-rounder. They were certainly hopeful. And with Kevin King, a pending free agent, and a number of priorities in the free agent class for Green Bay next year, including David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones and and, uh, Corey Lindsley, there's an opportunity for Josh Jackson to, to make a, a real mark on this team as maybe being a replacement for Kevin King if he can't turn the corner in season three. Mm, yeah, Jari Alexander really burst onto the scene. I think you have a really good player uh, in the Louisville product there, Dave. So what uh, what's your concern about this football team uh, as we get uh, you know, on the cusp of July? Uh, what, what concerns you about the Packers this year? Well, I think it has to be the run defense, which had moments last year, and the defense overall played really well. And the additions of the two Smiths obviously completely changed the look and the um, the pass rush ability of the defense. But when you saw the way they were gouged by the 49ers twice last year in that playoff game where they averaged seven yards a carry, to me, the run defense is the biggest question mark. And, you know, they haven't done a whole lot on paper to improve it. They didn't use any high draft capital. Uh, they brought in some veterans like Trayvon Hester, late of the Redskins, former Raider, who's had a few moments as a defensive lineman. They also brought in Gerald Willis off the Dolphins waiver wire. 
to compete with guys like Dean Lowry. They like um, Kingsley Kiki, a second-year player on Texas A&M, and think he might take a step up. They keep telling us Montrevious Adams, the third-year player out of Auburn, is finally going to wake up. But they really need to find someone to get next to Kenny Clark and wreak havoc in the run game because if they can't stop the run, if they can't stop the 49ers, the Saints, the Vikings from running the football, uh, then I don't see how Green Bay gets over the top. You know what? Looking through the offseason, mentioned the signing of Kirksey and and if he can be healthy, how good that can be. I want to get your thoughts on a guy from right up there in Badgerland. He was a Wisconsin Badger coming in to take over for Blaga at right tackle. In right, Wagner, it just... A guy that has been, at least according to Pro Football Focus, pretty mediocre throughout his career. I knew Balaga, it felt like he could never stay healthy, but he was elite when he was out there mm-hmm. and healthy. Bringing in a guy to play the right tackle position, that's okay. At best, okay. He'll be healthy, at least he has been throughout his career. How big of an impact do you think that's going to make to the offensive line as a whole? Well, I think that position's the biggest question mark on the offense for Green Bay. You know, everybody talks about wide receiver and who's going to step up opposite Devontae Adams. And I'm less concerned about that than I am at the right tackle spot because Bulaga, though he missed a bunch of games, we know that he was a terrific right tackle. And, you know, he's making $10 million a year. He deserves every penny. Green Bay couldn't afford to pay him with Bakhtiari coming due after this season. So Ricky Wagner comes in. You know, it was just a couple of years ago, guys. He was a high-dollar free agent signed by the Lions. and uh, He has had some Nixon and a couple of light injuries the last couple of years. He's missed, I think, four or five games the last couple of seasons. But he's never going to make an all-pro team. He's not going to be a star. Uh, and I don't think he's walking into that job either. I think he's going to have to win that job. I think they've got a couple guys they could look at, including Billy Turner, who played right guard last season, may step over to play tackle. And even Elton Jenkins, the terrific second-year guard who was just fantastic at left guard for Green Bay. He's played some tackle he might get a look at that spot, too. So I think Wagner has to compete. But I also think when he has played, if you look, you know, everybody seems to struggle in Detroit. You know, if you look before he got to Detroit, he had some nice seasons, and he's joining a very good offensive line. So uh, it's a question mark, and Green Bay's counting on him, but they're not paying him a lot, and they've got some other candidates. But he has an opportunity there in his home state to really resurrect his career and uh, and learn a little bit from Bakhtiari and, and that uh, Packers offensive line, which is pretty veteran across the board, he just might look better in green and gold having better players around him. Hmm. Dave, a couple more minutes. We'll let you go. Dave Sinekin covers the uh, Packers, theheadcheese.com. You can hear him on the weekend Saturdays, uh, now on KFAN, but Sundays once football season gets around year 24, uh, doing the uh, Packer preview on KFAN. Uh, Dave, Trent and I, when we take a look at the AFC, we think there's Baltimore and Kansas City on the top tier, and then you got a maybe significant drop off before you find that next tier and who may or may not be on it. NFC is way more wide open than that, at least from where I sit. Do you see it that way? I think there's probably, you know, probably four or five teams that um, you wouldn't fall off your chair if they come out of the NFC as the champion. I would agree with that. I have a feeling San Francisco is going to take a step back this year. Uh, there's certainly history of the Super Bowl losing team taking a step back, and I think there's reasons to believe losing to Forrest Buckner, now Debo Samuels banged up. I'm not sold on their quarterback, um, and their secondary to me is, is average at best. So I, I don't think San Francisco is a, a lot to be a, a contending team. I think they're very good. But, I, yeah, I think there are four or five teams. I think everyone always points to the Saints yep. and figures as long as Drew Brees can trot out there, they're going to have a chance. But 
Um, no, I think there's a, a number of teams that could make a case for being contenders. I do think it's more wide open. I, I might, you know, throw the Titans and Colts into the mix in the AFC. I thought Tennessee was pretty impressive last year. I don't think it's the Chiefs and Ravens and everybody else, but I understand why you guys got those two teams uh, slightly ahead. I don't think there's a cliff that he drops off okay. in the next tier. Um, but in the NFC, yeah, I mean, Boy, there's a whole lot of teams that I think could stake a claim uh, that, that they're ready to take the next step. You look at the Eagles, um, even Dallas now with the new coaching staff and, and Prescott under contract, and a little more stability there. Uh, I think the North is certainly going to be up for grabs. With uh, I think not a whole lot of difference from first to fourth, maybe three or four games between the first and fourth teams in the NFC North for sure. And the West is still a, a really good div- uh, division. And uh, I think... All those teams are going to be competitive. So I do think it's wide open, uh, and I'm not putting my money on the Niners. I don't think they'll be the team that everyone has to beat this year. Real quick, uh, I know that the Packers do go to uh, to Tampa Bay, I think middle of October. What do you think of Tampa Bay with Brady? Well, that's a tough one. I, I, I think Brady is, is on the back end. I think he's got a lot of weapons around him, certainly more than he had in New England, but it's a new team. It's it's uh, you know a, a weird off season where you're not going to get to throw to those receivers as much and and get. I mean he's Tom Brady. I understand that, but I don't think you can pencil them in automatically for 11 wins in a really tough division. And they have a tough schedule. They're going to be fun to watch. Um, you know with Gronk and those receivers, they certainly have a lot of weapons. But I'm I'm just one of those that I I saw Brady's play decline the last couple of years, and I don't know that he himself is going to resurrect that team. They're going to be in the mix of the South, but. All four of those teams are competitive in that division. They've got a tough schedule. Uh, they do get, I think, the Vikings and Packers at home out of the NFC North, which is helpful. Uh, they're in the mix for the playoffs, but am I stamping them as an NFC contender? Uh, I don't know. A, a regular we- regular offseason where those guys are throwing to each other a lot, mm. get used to the offense, yes. But in this weird, truncated offseason, I don't know how easy it is for Brady just to step in and feel real comfortable in that offense. Ultimately, Dave, as you look at the 2020 season, it comes down to the man at the quarterback position. There's always drama, it feels, with Aaron Rodgers, be it manufactured by the media or whatever. Last year at this time, we were talking about him and Lafleur and how they were getting along and how ugly this could be, and they go out and they win a bunch of games. When you look at Aaron Rodgers, where are we today? A guy that is aging, a guy that has to maybe change a little bit the way that he plays. When you look at him, are we all good, or is it going to be more drama throughout the season? No, I think we're closer to the all-good side. I think we all know that, that Rodgers loves to play with a chip on his shoulder. He's mm-hmm. been playing with that chip since the draft, and right. now he's got another big chip that they've uh, drafted his potential replacement. And I think he would like nothing more than to say, this kid's going to have to wait a while because i got some, some game left in me. So I think you're going to see a real motivated Aaron Rodgers who, you know, in his second year with a new offense, is bound to feel a whole lot more comfortable than he did last year with a whole new bunch of terminology, new system, uh, a new way to play. And I just think you're going to see a, a, a motivated Aaron Rodgers, who's not the, the guy he was in 2010. You know, he's 37, 38. But uh, I still think we saw that he can make the plays. I think the, the main thing is he has to trust this offense, not hang on to the football, put the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And, yeah, there may not be as many playmakers as we saw when Green Bay won a Super Bowl. But there are a lot of young receivers itching to step up and say, you guys think they blew it by not drafting a receiver? Well, look at Alan Lazard. Look at Devin Funches. Look at Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. Look at Equinemius St. Brown. Look at Reggie Begleton out of the Canadian Football League. If two of those five guys can step up uh, along with Devontae Adams and then Jay Sternberger in his second year at tight end 
uh, with a big opportunity. If he starts to make plays, Rodgers is going to be motivated and I think really enjoy uh, the cast of characters around him and want to prove to everybody uh, that Green Bay is not the team ready to take a big step back. That that 13-3 and season may not be repeated, but 10 or 11 wins might be good enough to get them where they want come playoff time and then uh, anything's possible with number 12 in January. That's for sure. And as you mentioned, 13-3 and three last year, and they win the North, one of three teams in the NFC to uh, to win 13 football games. Dave, listen, we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the fourth and the long weekend. We'll talk to you as training camp gets closer. Appreciate it, Dave Sinekin. Look forward to it, guys. Take Thank care. Thank you. Take care. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. Uh, Saturday mornings, KFAN, and uh, Sunday mornings during the season, Packer preview on the home of the Vikings. The home of the Vikings. KFAN. Uh, Zuba Mahente joins us next. Uh, Miller and Condon take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 010. We can build it. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, taking you until noon. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Zubin Mahente from ESPN right now. He joins the program. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, good to speak with you. Zubin, how are you? What a week, guys. Yeah. Sports, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> no, indeed, Zubin. We did get some bad news within the last hour, though. I guess there's a number of PGA um players caddies uh that have tested positive in fact the commissioner of the pga is going to hold a press conference here at one o'clock our time so uh maybe not um we've, we've already seen some positives in the pga but maybe a batch of them have been uncovered so we'll find out more about that but to your point let's do the positive and clearly the positive uh was baseball that uh, got their you-know-what together, and yesterday came to a final agreement and made the announcement, play ball! I think it's interesting. One thing I would mention is that the tour is actually in Connecticut this week, so where we live, so that'll be really interesting to see what happens. Oh, the Travelers, yeah, well, right. Yeah, that's here, so obviously with Kepka pulling out, we'll see what happens with Commissioner Monaghan, so we're keeping an eye on it here uh, for sure, but to your point, Ken, with baseball, you know, uh, I Despite everything that's happened between the players and the owners, and despite everything that's happening with all the other sports, in some strange, morbid twist, it is ironic that the first major sport back is going to be baseball. It's a little strange, right? After everything happened, if they go July 24th, that should probably beat the NBA, who is committed to July 31. The NHL will see exactly what happens as they tear down the cities and obviously the other sports better holding off. So for everything that has happened in this sport, the idea that baseball will actually return before some of these other sports is a little strange. I think last week, and sometimes I think people roll their eyes at this particular suggestion, but I think last week when the theory of the owners and the players don't care about the fans, I think deep down there are people on both sides that probably don't care about the fans. But when this storyline of nobody cares about the fans for a sport that brings in so much revenue from the fans at the gate, started to gain some steam. I think Manfred was backed into a corner. In my personal opinion, I think the players won by TKO. They retained the right to have the grievance, which could really preserve some long-term damage and bitterness 
between the two sides. But the broadside that Manfred started taking last week from respected baseball writers, and I'm of the belief, I'm still a little old school, that people don't generally follow some of these sports that closely. So when a Ken Rosenthal or a Keith Olbermann that works here at ESPN, when they start railing against a side, I think a lot of times the media, radio guys, radio gals, they sort of espouse those opinions because they kind of respect what their people are coming from. And I just thought last week, when in the span of five days, Manfred essentially said, yeah. he told Carl Ravitch 100% we're having a season. And then five days later, he told Mike Greenberg, I'm not sure if we're going to have a season. When people saw that and said, that's one of the two lead negotiators, he and Tony Clark are meeting at Tony's house in Phoenix. And one of the guys said in a five-day span, we're going to go from, I don't know if we're going to have baseball to absolutely there should be baseball. When people saw that, I really started to think that people thought less of Manfred. And then this whole, they don't care about the fans. They don't care about anything started to permeate. And I think the players won. I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the thing I was most impressed by was the solidarity. It stood. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm still really concerned about the travel. You saw something as simple as Charlie Blackman testing positive, which mm-hmm. we've seen in every other sport. That necessitated a complete shutdown, Cannon Trent, of Coors Field. Yep. That one test from Blackman shut down Coors Field. And with everybody essentially playing in their home ballparks and traveling, I just wonder what the protocols are going to be going forward if one guy testing positive before we get to spring training necessitated the shutdown of a ballpark. Well, we're going to get baseball in some form or fashion, 60-game regular season. Zubin, no expanded playoffs, and Ken and I talked about this earlier. That's the part for me with this compressed schedule. I was hoping that they'd be able to come to an agreement, something a little bit goofy. There's some goofy parameters there that we will have throughout this season, but that part of it, seeing 14, 16 teams, whatever it turned out to be in the playoffs, I'm disappointed we're not going to get that. It shows you, Trent, though, the solidarity of the players, because I'm sure you know and for your listeners that may not be aware, the players essentially turned down a $25 million postseason pool. That was on the table, and they turned it down because obviously to that extent there was going to have to be expanded playoffs. So to me, another sign of solidarity from the players, yeah, there was talk about the $170 million cash advance, and yes, there was talk about how much top-level players would miss, but the fact that they had a $25 million postseason pool on the table as part of the negotiations, obviously Manfred implemented what he did, but the fact that they let that $25 million go says something. Keep in mind, in Major League Baseball, you get your postseason gate is partially accrued by gate attendance. Mm. So a lot of times in other sports, you know, here's your postseason share, everyone's footed. In baseball, the postseason share is essentially made up of gate revenue. And if there are no fans at games this season, which certainly seems to be the possibility at least at the start and probably moving through, the players would have gotten, obviously, very, very little playoff revenue because if it's contingent upon fans being there, they couldn't probably bet on a dime coming their way. So they had $25 million on the table in lieu of that, and they chose to pass it up. Now, of course, you're talking about a loss of $4 billion if there is no season, so in some strange way in the world of sports, $25 million doesn't really mean anything, especially split over 8, 10, whatever the playoff share was going to be if there was an expansion. So I do think it does mean something that they passed up a potential $25 million to essentially say, we still want to file the grievance. 
We still want to move ahead and see what kind of damages we may be able to get. But to pass up that kind of money shows something. Hmm. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, yesterday when Trent and I were speculating, as we seemingly have done since the middle of March, uh, we, we talked about Sunday night baseball on ESPN and, you know, whether we would have Sunday night baseball. I know the schedule's not out that we've seen, uh, yet, and maybe you guys have some, uh, intel on that. We assume Sunday night baseball will be on our TVs for the, uh, what would it be? Is it 12 weeks? Whatever the number of weeks is going to be, eight, nine weeks, uh, we'll have Sunday night baseball. Do you know, Zubin, what ESPN is going to get for a television package? Nothing yet. Right now, we're still waiting to see what the situation will hold. I think the logistical hurdles right now that Major League Baseball is going to have to forego is going to be really difficult. I think when you put the bubble city into effect for the NBA and when they eventually choose a couple of sites for the NHL, I think logistics are going to be easy. So I'm not exactly sure what the schedule is going to look like between the three television partners. Turner has a smaller deal, and eventually when their longer-term deal kicks in, they'll actually have a a Tuesday night game as opposed to a Sunday afternoon game, which I think will be a lot better uh, for them. And obviously we'll wait to see what happens on the postseason uh, with Fox. But as you guys well know, baseball, I think I saw the number the other day. Um, when it comes to the full postseason, now this is going to be a little bit mitigated because of what we've got going on this year. Uh, baseball makes about, the number was, listen to this, guys, $787 million <laughs> of TV revenue in one month. Wow. <laughs> That's the playoffs. They basically, from ESPN's wild card game through TBS's package, which includes one LCS, Fox get the other LCS and the World Series. That essential month of baseball will net the league $787 million. Jeez. So I would assume that they were going to try to do everything they can to make that money. And if there's any other reason, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this with every single guest, if there's any single reason to make sure baseball doesn't stretch into November and all these things about the second surge, that probably more than anything is important to the owners in terms of getting it done. Um, yeah, we have Monday night baseball, Tuesday night baseball, Sunday night baseball rates well, generally the only game on at the time slot, but it's a pittance in terms of the revenue for regular season baseball as compared to what they could get to mention 10 to 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks. It's a pittance compared to what they could get in one month for the crescendo of the season. And I just feel like when you're traveling, even if you're just traveling within your division and the opposite division, it's just going to be so much harder to pull off. People are talking about Training the guys and restricting the guys in the NBA and the NHL. I think baseball has got a much tougher ball of wax to figure out. Mookie Betts with the Dodgers, Garrett Cole with the Yankees, Donaldson with the Twins, Mike Trout now has a running mate with Anthony Rendon. The, the all coming back, new players, and then the Astro storyline that mm. obviously just dissipated so yeah. much after spring training was shut down. Boy, these storylines coming back. Even before all this, it felt like it was going to be a very anticipated baseball season. And now we get to talk about these things again, Zubin. How great is this? It is great. I think there will be a priority situation, at least in the regular season, that I think baseball is going to find itself. And like I said, that first week, they'll have it themselves, July 24th to July 31st. But I think when you threw the NBA playoffs, emphasis playoffs, Family Cup playoffs, emphasis playoffs, the Masters, the PGA, the Ryder Cup, the NFL, which obviously is saying full team ahead. College football, which I'm really wishy-washy about right mm-hmm. now, especially after the last week. But if that goes off in some form or fashion, because as I'm sure you guys have discussed, it's almost like it can't because of the financial implications. They're almost going to be forced to move ahead 
in some way to preserve economic stability of their athletic program. I think baseball will have the spotlight for about a week, and they'll be talking about the Astros, and there'll be discussions about Mookie Betts turning down $300 million mm-hmm. for the Red Sox to gamble on himself with the Dodgers. And then when he hits free agency next year, who knows how much is going to be available for him. I don't think it's out of the bounds for owners to say next year, look, we don't have any money. We didn't have the 2020 we wanted. Sorry, class of 2021 free agent. So it was a gigantic gamble for Betts. I mean, I think somebody will pay him because his talent is what it is. You mentioned the Trout, Rendon, Arenado, Harper, all, all of those guys got Strasburg. All of those guys are at least 240, 245-plus every single one of those guys. So I think the money is definitely out there, but I agree with you, Trent. I think those storylines will continue. Uh, we'll wait to see what happens, especially with the DH. I think that's going to add a little bit of a unique wrinkle, but I think it's going to start off with a bang, especially I think the media is going to be at full force when they're out of spring training mm-hmm. next week. But the alternative is crazy, guys. If there had been no season, and you guys are way bigger baseball fans than I am, and I assume bigger baseball fans than most of your audience, that would have been 17 months if they've wiped the season. 17 months without baseball. I'm not sure they could have recovered. Uh, Zubin Mahente from ESPN is our guest. Zubin, you mentioned college football, and yes, I agree, skeptical. Um, and, and the importance of it is not lost on anybody. The athletes, I, I hope they realize this, they have never had more power than they've ever had uh, here in the next couple of months as they get this season off. I don't know the one voice that would you know, would would uh, exert that power. I'm not sure that there is that, but boy, oh boy, they're in a they are in a spot that they've never been in. But Zubin, uh, what is uh, kind of the, you know, the talk at ESPN? College football means a ton to ESPN. Uh, we've heard maybe just conference games over only, rather that the regular season uh, is, is is the non-conference season, rather maybe not might not take place. What are some of the um, I guess remedies, theories that are being talked about to try and get this college football season in. What are you hearing at the Four Letter Network? One of the biggest concerns that we're hearing, and I've heard from many other people, and we've tried to canvas the range of programs. So I would imagine the bulk of your discussion has been about Iowa and Iowa State, obviously. But there are the Drake and you and I factors. And I know Drake is a non-scholarship program, and I was there at least. But you look at it from the range, from all those four programs. I'll give you an example. There was a story the other day about a program that you've probably never given any thought to, and I've barely given any thought to, and that's uh, Idaho State, right? It's an FCS mm-hmm. program, but it's a program that nonetheless travels and moves and has a tiny budget compared to some of these other big programs. Their athletic director came out the other day and said, testing costs about $70 a pop. And if we're asked to do that every day, they're not sure they can do it. There are other programs that said they might do something called a dirty sample and a clean sample. A dirty sample would be to test not for coronavirus because in some cases testing every single day is out of their economic realm. Instead, what they would do is test the person for a whole host of other symptoms. And if any of those symptoms were to come back and line up with coronavirus, those people would get coronavirus tests. That seems a little scary to me. I think you just need to be tested for the virus, but a lot of schools are not going to be in a position to do that. If students do return to campus, how are you going to quarantine the football players from the rest of the student body? Because I think at Kansas State, it was essentially proven that once the student body and the football players mingled at a party, that's what happened. So I think in our realm, we still think it can go off. We're waiting to see what could happen. There's still, quote-unquote, a longer 
runway. I mean, if baseball wants to start spring training next week, they got to go. Whereas for college football, you still have a long time to wait. And obviously, I think if we had this conversation two weeks ago, we would have been much more bullish on a college football season. Uh, but here we are two weeks later, and we're not. So I feel uncomfortable speculating, as I'm sure most do, of what the country is going to look like two weeks from now. I think two weeks ago, if you would have asked California, Arizona, and Texas how they feel, they would have been cautiously optimistic. And obviously now the numbers are trending in the wrong direction. So I still think there is hope for a season. You do hear no doomsday scenarios from Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby and Larry Scott, the guys that have made the rounds, the commissioners of three of the Power Five conferences. So I haven't seen as much yet. There are umpteen backup plans that are there uh, from a television perspective. Obviously, I think I would assume we would follow the lead of a lot of other places that are doing things remotely, like I think you're going to see in a lot of other sports. But I just think not the availability of the testing, but for many, many programs, the inability to pay for the testing, which is the only way to keep the guys safe, is a story that needs to be talked about more. Nobody cares about the FCS and some of these other programs, but the reality is they are a part of all of this. And if they're not going to be able to afford it, in some ways, I would imagine that problem would trickle up to many programs. And we'll have to see what they're willing to do about it. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you. We're out of time. We appreciate it. Baseball is back. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Zubin. Take care, guys. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Trent, we'll get our final break in here. Come back and wrap things up. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Bourbon Whiskey. here on a Wednesday. Thanks for spending some of your morning here with us. Rico Gafford, did you hear his story? Did you see what he's doing? Sports bar, right? Rico's. Obviously finished at Dowling. He started at East, right or North? East. Yep. And then transferred to Dowling. Mm -hmm. Um, Did they want a state championship? Yes. Or two or one or two? Good question. Timeline... I'm not positive. Okay, uh, but regardless, is uh, now with the Raiders and has mm-hmm. opened up a uh, um, a sports bar, food restaurant at uh, in Drake. And I read the piece at Raiders.com and uh, says he's going to open up a couple more in the city. Good for him. I love it. Yeah, me too. Good for you, Rico Gafford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hope you make it with the Raiders. Hope you stick with the Raiders. And um, remember talking to him after a Dowling game on the field afterwards, and just uh, a really, really nice young man. personable is what I took yes. from the from the from the article I read. Right? That that was uh, something. My first takeaway here charismatic, right? Yeah, yeah. got a little bit of that flair to Good him. For and him. yeah, what a career! And that's when you kind of say, boy. How do you get outside of the state borders? Yeah, went to truth. Iowa Western, I believe, for JUCO. Ended up Wyoming. Hawks and Cyclones may be kicking themselves a little bit about that one. Yeah, speed to burn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so good for good for him. That was a good piece, boy. Keith Murphy retweeted it. Mm-hmm. How big of an influencer is he? Isn't that you can make money doing that, right? Being an influencer, right. yeah. He needs to get on Instagram. I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Take I'm, some pictures, maybe. I mean, 
He so, tweets it out, and I guarantee you, yeah. hundreds of people found that. Oh, everybody that found that piece did it because of that, is my assumption, anyways. I was one of them. As was I, and uh, glad that I read it, and I'm grateful that he uh, tweeted that story out. Good for you, Rico Gafford. Uh, Murph and Andy, speaking of them, they'll be coming your way uh, today at 2. Finesse, I just saw a tweet from Chris. He's going to do the show from home today. Oh, he is. Okay, good. So, uh, speedy recovery, Chris Williams, and yeah. everybody. Matt Peralt's got it. I saw that. Yeah, it uh, started with his wife, and then his daughter was... Uh, found um, to be positive, and then Peralta. And your test is when? I'm coming up today at 3 o'clock, today making my way o'clock. over to Dallas County for that as I'll be in Waukee for high school baseball. So stop there, get the test. I feel fine. Yeah. I have no symptoms, but because of her proximity with Chris, though I haven't talked with him. But he, I use the microphone. You he do. Does. Yeah, right. it's, it's even deeper for you. Well, you know what, though? I'm so grateful that Heather's in here first because she is... She uh, cleans. Yes, she does. She's got the the, the swat. What do you call those things? The little cotton balls. Yep. Disinfecting everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Heather. Yes, or certain. Uh, so yeah, I get mine tomorrow. I'm anxious to see how uh, your take on what it's uh, uh, entails when we reconvene tomorrow. All right. We're out of time. I'm Murph and Andy, two fanatics at four. Morning rush tomorrow at six. High school baseball tonight. Fourteen sixty K.